Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Continuing with previous messages. I am righteous not because of my good deeds. I am righteous not because of the good things I do. I am righteous because Jesus did a good work on my behalf. I am righteous because Jesus took my place and paid the price. Amen. Amen. So you confess it. You say it. You become what you say. You, you remember that? Yes. Listen, just as you don't wait till you become rich before you start confessing it, you don't wait till you are righteous before you start confessing it. If you don't confess it, you will never get out of it. Amen. Once you are born again, you have to start making that confession. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Every time you stand before God in prayer, Father, I thank you that I'm not here because of my good deeds. I am righteous because you made me righteous. And I walk in that righteousness every day of my life. You begin to confess it. Whilst you are drinking alcohol, keep confessing it. A day will come, you will take that glass and you can't drink it. Because what you say affects your life. It affects your life. Whilst you are smoking, just make sure you are born again. Confess it. Even with the cigarette in your hand. Tell everybody, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Is it not funny? But it's funny if you are poor and you are saying, telling people I'm a millionaire. Is it also not funny? But doesn't it happen? Haven't we seen poor people become millionaires? Is it not funny if you are walking and say, you know, my brand new car is coming? Haven't we seen people who used to walk now having brand new cars? So why is it that we want somebody to stop drinking before he calls himself righteous? He will never stop. Because what you don't say never happens. Righteousness, that is by faith in the finished work of Christ. I believe he paid all the price. Listen, I believe he gave me righteousness. I believe he made me righteous. I believe that. So I exercise my faith to become what he has already made me. God is not now planning to make me righteous. He has already made me. I exercise my faith to become what he has made me. Just as you exercise your faith to become rich, he has made you rich already. You know that? But you have to exercise faith to become it. The same way he has healed you already. You have to exercise your faith to see the healing manifestation. In the same way he has made you righteous already. You have to exercise your faith to become righteous. And listen, it is the easiest way to stop all the bad things. It is the easiest way to stop all the bad things. You believe in what Christ did for you on the cross. Confess it and start acting on it. Amen. It will start worrying you if you keep saying I'm righteous and you are doing the wrong things. It will start worrying you. Because one day you will come to yourself and say, ah, why am I saying I'm righteous and I'm still doing this? Why am I saying I'm righteous and I'm still doing that? Why am I saying I'm righteous and I'm still doing this one? Because faith does not only believe and confess, faith acts. Amen. Amen. And when you exercise that faith, you receive what? Grace. How do we access the grace? By faith. And listen. There are certain weaknesses you can never overcome until the grace of God comes upon you. But that grace will come when you start exercising the faith. You will just realize that you to, your struggle is with alcohol, but suddenly grace has come upon you without any struggle. Because once you are struggling to overcome that thing, there's no grace. Grace means you are not struggling. It's just easy for you. When you see people under the grace, they do most difficult things in a very easy way. The most difficult things they do in a most easy way. Somebody say, I'm the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. Somebody say, I'm the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. He paid the full price for my redemption. He gave me his righteousness. 
and took away all my sin. He took away all my wretchedness. He took away all my imperfection so that I will become perfect before him at all times. In the name of Jesus, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am righteous, not because of my good deeds, not because of my good works. I am righteous because of the good works of Jesus on the cross. I am righteous because of the perfect work of Jesus on the cross. I am righteous not because I qualify. I am righteous because Jesus qualified me on the cross. If you believe it, put your hands together for, for the Lord. Jesus said to the Pharisees, anyone who has not committed any sin through the first stone, nobody could. You know why? Because no matter how perfect you pose to be, you know you are struggling with something. But when you begin to exercise your faith in the finished work of Christ, everything you are struggling with, every secret sins you are struggling with, the power to overcome it, it just comes like that. It just comes like that. I can assure you. The power to overcome sin. And listen, when we talk about sin, stop thinking about all these things we talk about. Adultery, fornication, drinking, what else? Stealing. The fact that you don't do all this, I'm not saying go and do it too. But the fact that you don't do this does not mean that you are perfect. Because some of the things God hates is more than that. Amen. So the Pharisees, they don't commit adultery. They don't kill. They don't steal. But they are proud. And even pride is a big sin before God. Envy is a big sin before God. Lying. There's nobody here who can say he hasn't lied before. Hallelujah. Envy. Little, little, little things that we do that we think, oh, this one, nobody saw it. Last thing after anybody is a big sin as fornication. Wow, when we start talking like that, you see that we have to forget about the law and we have to exercise faith in Christ. Because fornication is easy to overcome. Adultery is easy to overcome. Murder is easy to overcome. But hatred is difficult to overcome, brother. Last thing, but when we begin to exercise faith, he did it all for me. He gave me his righteousness. I have his righteousness. I have his righteousness. You see, you stop seeing yourself as a wretched bad person. You begin to see yourself the way Christ has made you. Have you not read the Bible that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. When do they pass? The very minute you gave your life to Christ, the old things have passed. Whether you are still doing it or not, it has passed. And all life has become new. When did a new life start? It started the very minute. So I'm still drinking, but I am a new person. I am still smoking, but a new life has started. All things have passed away. You see, when you confess it like that, one day, you get up and kick the, the bottle, and that will be the last time. Yeah. You have strength. That's why some of you, you try hard to stop drinking. But when you go to the village for funeral, when pastor is not there, you see that you are trying. But Charlie, the atmosphere in the village, <laughs> because you are trying to stop it by your effort, by your strength. Now, haven't we been telling people that if you want to do big things in life, don't depend on your strength. He said, by strength shall no man prevail. Believe God to bless you. Believe God to make your business great. Believe, oh, no, we are talking about breakthrough. We tell people, don't depend on your strength. Believe God. But when we come to righteousness, we tell the people, do it yourself. Keep Christ out. That's the error I'm talking about. That's the error. Amen. Yeah. 
I've seen people believe God with nothing. Build a house. Just believe God with nothing. The same person is struggling to stop drinking. That's, I mean, the same God who can give you grace to build a house with that small salary. You know, there are people I know. How can you explain their salary and the kind of house they have built? And they didn't steal their money. It's the grace of God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? If God can do that, then I want to say to all the sisters, he can stop you. He can give you the grace to stop sleeping around without falling sick. All the sisters say amen. And the brothers too. He can stop you. He can help you. He can give you grace to sleep all alone and be fine. You wake up in the morning and say, thank you, Jesus, for a brand new day. He can give you the grace. But when the grace is not there, you try one week, it's like you are dying. You are dying. One week without sex, I see you are dying. You are dying. You know it's bad. You want to stop. But you see that phone call from that guy. And before you realize, you've gone to do it again. Then you come and say, oh, Father, I'm sorry. I'll not do it again. I promise. I promise. <laughs> but you, once you are saying, I'll not do it again, you know that. How many, how many witnesses do I have in the house? Give him a big clap off. He can give you grace. Amen. Yeah. He can give you grace to stop gossiping. Yeah. He can give you grace to stop gossiping. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because you can never overcome weaknesses by your personal effort. Yeah. But then, we all have weaknesses. Do you know that? Only grace can take you out of that weakness. Yeah. Only grace. And you assess that grace by your faith in the finished work of Christ. By your faith in your finished work. As long as you refuse to exercise faith in the finished work of Christ, Jesus said, you will always be in sin. Sin. Is refusing to believe whom Christ is and what he came to do. Romans um, 6, 14, he said, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. You see, you can only be under one at a time. If you are under the law, you are not under grace. If you are under grace, you are not under the law. But if you are under the law, sin will have dominion over you. If you are under grace, sin will not have dominion over you. And it tells me that the reason why sin is still so much in the church is because grace is not being preached. It is being attacked. The average charismatic preacher tells you that grace preaching is an encouragement to sin because they never take their time to study to even find out what the grace teaching is about. Verse 15 says that, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? He says, certainly not. So Paul the apostle never preached that when you are under grace, it means continue sinning. He preached grace as the solution to the sin challenge. When you get born again by grace, you can continue to practice the rest of your Christian life under the grace of God, and you will be free from sin. Some of the sins you struggle with, you will just be free from them. I have practiced it, and it works much, much more better. Somebody say amen to that. Yeah. yeah, if you practice the law, I have a one scripture for you. James 2.10. It says, if you keep the whole law and you break one, you are as good as the one who never kept any at all. Hallelujah. Amen. You are guilty of all, so don't even try it. Grace will help you out. So the challenge that has been in the church since Bible days is that there is this wrong teaching that salvation is by grace, by righteousness is by practicing the law. And I'm going to show you one scripture, and then I'll rest my case for today. Acts 15 to 12. Read with me on the screen. Amen. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had 
no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. Hallelujah. So being sent on their way uh, by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that they had done with them. Now look at it. He said, but some of the sect of the Pharisees, you see, when they say sect, the word sect means um, a group of people. So the sect of the Pharisees, Hello? Pharisees, who did what? Who believed? It means that after Jesus died and rose, some Pharisees became born again. Like, you remember Nicodemus was a Pharisee, came to Jesus. There were more Pharisees who became born again and joined the church in Jerusalem. Now, look at the issue here. Who believed? What did they do? They rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So these Pharisees already were people who practiced the law of Moses before Jesus came. And Jesus had issues with them. Next Sunday, I'll show you more. Jesus had issues with the Pharisees all the time because they did not even believe that he was the son of God. Now, the few who became born again and joined the church in Jerusalem, this is what they are saying. That if you are born again, even if you are a Gentile, you should be circumcised. Whether you are 50, 90, you must go through circumcision. Hallelujah. And then, not only that, you must keep the law of Moses before you will be righteous. So this issue we have, we are dealing with today, it started in the days of Peter and Paul. All right. Let's look at how they handled the issue. Now, the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, so there was back and forth argument. I'm sure somewhere for the law, somewhere for grace. If I was there, I would be for grace. Amen. But before then, I would be for the law. I would say, no, this thing is devilish. This thing is bad, devilish doctrine. It takes people to hell. In fact, somebody was talking to me, like I said, they call it hell wagon. Yeah, the moment you want to preach self-righteousness, God will set you up and expose you that you are a hypocrite after all. There was dispute in the church. Then what happened? Peter rose up. Remember Peter? He rose up and said to them, men and brethren, you know that a good while ago, God chose among us that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And you know, he was referring to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. When Peter went to Cornelius' house to preach, Cornelius was a Roman. God didn't wait for Peter to finish preaching before, bam, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them in the sense of speaking in tongues. Because if God had waited for Peter, the Holy Ghost would never flow that day. Because Peter was going to teach them to receive Christ, and after that, he would teach them the law. So once you were preaching Christ, the Holy Ghost fell. So Peter was now reminding them that God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us on Pentecost. Verse 9, verse 9. And made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Peter has not finished talking. Let's look at verse 10. Now, therefore, why do you test 
God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to carry. Peter said, you guys, this law you are putting on these people, we ourselves apostles, is tough for us. Hallelujah. Why put a yoke over the neck of people? The yoke that even our fathers could not keep, we ourselves could not keep it. Hallelujah. Next verse. But we believe that through what? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as them. This is Apostle Peter. This is Apostle. He said, don't let us put a yoke over their neck which we ourselves cannot keep. But let us introduce them to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we'll be saved. Verse 12. Then all the multitude kept silence and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. So I want to say that my argument is still this. Even as Peter said it, you can't mix the law and grace. It doesn't work. Amen. Amen. So... Galatians 2, verse 16 says it all to 17. He said, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Amen. So, the Bible says that, the Bible says that by the practice of the law, righteousness is not attainable. Romans 3.20 says the same thing. It says, Romans 3.20, it says that therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Verse 21. But now, somebody say now. now. But now, somebody say now. Now means that in the New Testament, there is something new. It says, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. There is a righteousness apart from the law. It is what I am preaching today. Righteousness by the grace of Christ. Amen. Is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God. Through what? Faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let me end by saying this. Many people say, well, the law is done away with. It means that when we are under grace, uh, we are free to behave any way we like. Do anything you like. Misbehave. In fact, some people always say, Grace means there's no law, do what you like, God accepts you. In fact, that is one of the reasons why people condemn the message of grace. But look at what Jesus thought. Did Jesus really say the law is fulfilled and so misbehave? No. What did Jesus say? He said, a new commandment I give to you. My logic tells me that a new thing is always better than the old, isn't it? Good. New. What are food? New one. Fresh food, cook, cooked food with an old one. Which one do you like? Praise God. John 13, 34, he said, a new commandment I give to you. So Jesus set the law aside and gave us a new commandment that you love one another as I 
have loved you. Don't love people by your own standards. That's the problem. The problem is we love people by our own definition of love. No, you love people by Christ's definition of love. What is Christ's definition of love? Hallelujah. God so loved the world. He gave his only son. Listen, enjoying the grace of God begins with meditating on the love of God for you, the love Jesus has for you. Every day you wake up, the first thing I'll suggest you do is meditate on the love that Jesus has for you. If you can do that constantly for a, a little while, your whole life will change because nobody can love you more than Jesus did. And there is no other love on earth that can compare that what Christ did. And meditating on it every day gives you confidence. It makes you, it makes you not ever need love from people again. It makes you never be insecure. It makes you never to be seeking attention necessarily. It makes you confident. Hallelujah. Amen. The King of kings and Lord of lords, the, the, God, the ruler of the universe, the possessor of heaven, and he loves you. Loves you so much to call you his own child. You see, the very hairs of your head, he knows the number. You see, it makes you stop worrying because if God loves you the way you love your child, especially those of you, you see, I have only one biological child for now. So it was easy for God to teach me grace. Hallelujah. Because there are many things I read in the Bible and the Lord asked me, will you do that to your child? I said, no. He said, then I will never do that to you. He said, whatever you don't, you will never do to your child. I, God, I'll never do to you, Hubert. Hey, I love my daughter crazily. And I will never give her to die for any of you. <laughs> Are you understanding me? Oh, like you just be there. What? So when God told me, Hubert, I love you, I understood it. That if he could give his only son to die for me, when I'm not ready to give Kafui up to die for any of you people. What? I, I understand grace very powerfully. Think about it. Think about your children. Think about the way you think about your children. When you wake up, meditate on his love for you. It will make you want to be close to God by yourself. You don't need anybody to push you to, to be close to God. When you think about his love for you, because we all gravitate towards people who love us. Yeah, it will make you want to do. Listen, meditating on his love is what motivates you to live a righteous life, to live a righteous, upright life. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Because he said, I have loved you, so love one another the same way I have loved you. And listen, the love of God is sacrificial. It is unconditional. Amen. So it will make you live a more upright life than the Pharisee. Because you know, the Pharisees don't obey the law out of God's love for them. They obey the law out of the threats of punishment from God. Are you understanding me? Yeah. The law of Moses, you obey it under threats and you are afraid that, hey, if I break this now, trouble. So it was duress. It was compulsion. It was threats. Hallelujah. Yeah. But when you are dealing with people who are matured, you explain to them. You explain to them. You don't tell them, if you do this, I will destroy you. No. You explain to them, this is for your own good. I want you to live this way for your own good. That's what the New Testament does for next Sunday. I'm going to teach about the, the blessings of the New Testament. Listen, if you knew that this Bible, hallelujah, is a book God gave you out of love for you, 
so that you will be successful. Won't you read it every day? You read it every day. You know why we don't read the Bible? Because we see it as a book that does not seek our welfare. It's a book that is there to tell us, one, how bad we are, and how many bad things we should stop doing. Hallelujah. Yeah. So the question is, we are normal under the law, we are under grace. So does it mean we should not practice the word? Question is, why did God give you the word? The scripture. Is it so that you'll be righteous? No. He gave you this book so that you can be successful. What did God tell Joshua? Uh, what did God tell Joshua? He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Joshua wanted it. He said, you shall what? Meditate on it day and night, and you shall observe to do all that is written in it. And when you do it, you become holy. You please me in heaven. What? He said, when you do it, what happened? You will make your way prosperous and you will have yeah that is the purpose of this book it is a loving father's advice to a lovely child that this is it's all here do you want to have a good marriage it's all here do you want to have a good business it's all here do you want to live healthy live long and not die early it's all here do you want to be blessed you want your children to be great every good thing you want the father says, it's all here. Jesus said, if you are my true disciple, continue my word. John 8, 31, 32, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall. Yeah. That is what grace teaches. The grace teaches that the book is there for your success. The law says, practice this and you'll be holy. If you don't practice this, God will not be pleased with you. Listen, you don't please God by obeying the scripture. Are you with me? Yeah. You please God by Faith in the finished work of Christ. Hebrews 11, he said, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, Pastor Hubert, how can I please God? Simple faith in Christ. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.